Welcome to this episode of Your Wellness MD Podcast. Family physician and wellness expert, Dr. Daniela Stein, has meaningful conversations that will take your health to the next level. She explores the connection between a healthy body, mind, and soul, and shares tips that will enable you to thrive. Dr. Stein has helped thousands of people have a better quality of life by improving their health with science-based knowledge, education, better nutrition, mindfulness, and lifestyle choices. Join us today, empowering you to live your best life with optimal health. Good day and welcome from me, Dr. Daniela Stein. Today, I'm so excited to have Amanda Nybert with me. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Amanda is a registered dietitian. She is has she specializes in weight loss and weight loss coaching. And the, specifically, the reason why I have Amanda with me today is Amanda had a very big TEDx talk a year ago on the all or nothing mindset. And this is something that I know my listeners wanted to hear more about. So I'm so excited to share today, Amanda. Start off by telling us, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. You're a dietitian. I am, yes. Um, Maida Dybert. I'm from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I was a clinical dietitian working in a hospital setting for um, over 20 years, um, specifically help coaching people for weight loss and diabetes management and such. And I, what I really came to realize over that time is that, you know, we just make nutrition complicated. We make it really hard. We make it, you know, impossible to follow. And then in addition to that, we make people feel like that they have to be perfect to be successful. Mm -hmm. And what I came to realize is that, you know, if we are able to simplify nutrition for healthy eating, and in addition, show people that it is really your all or nothing mindset that's holding you back, this need to feel perfect, that generally people see such better results. And that's a big thing. That's what I've really found. So, and it's not just for weight loss, it's it's for everything else around it. So what I do is lifestyle medicine. So I help people yeah. specifically with whatever they're encountering through life. And and quite often people feel that that what you're saying, if they can't be perfect, then it's better to just give up. Or if they did have that one block of chocolate, then they might as well have the whole chocolate. That's a big thing. And that's what I really liked about you because I've been following you on social media and you just came back from holidays and then you're very honest and authentic about that. And you would say, I've been on holidays. I did gain some weight. And these are the steps that I'm going to follow to get back into my own routine. Yeah, you know, I think with the growth of like social media, we we see all these images of these kind of perfect people and they make it look easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always tell my clients that um, losing the weight is the easy part. Keeping it off is the hard part. You know, maintenance mm -hmm. is something that you have to work at every single day. So I really try to show up authentically and sh share my struggles you know, the areas in which, you know, I, you know, don't always find success in and how I address that and, and kind of get right back on track. Yes. And help us troubleshoot because we encounter the same things that you encounter, right? Yeah. yeah so that's, absolutely. so tell me a little bit more about, and, and you're really a, an expert in the field in the all or nothing mindset, specifically regarding weight loss. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like we're coming up to the new year and that's like a prime example, you know, kind of number one, everyone lives their best life for November and December. 
we kind of have this mindset of kind of like the last meal syndrome, like, well, I might as well have all the fun and do all the things, you know, throughout the next two months, because I'm going to start my new diet or my new lifestyle January 1. And that's, that's mistake number one that people make. Um, You know, what I'm encouraging my followers and clients to really think about, you know, as we end the, the new year is, Think about a couple of strategies, a couple of lifestyle habits that you can focus on being consistent with. Like we know we're not going to be able to eat perfectly over the next two months. We're probably going to be drinking more alcohol. There's going to be more celebration and socialization. So why not focus on taking an extra thousand steps a day? You know, why not focus on optimizing your sleep? Why not focus on, you know, drinking more water? Like simple things that you can do consistently over the next couple of months to to allow you to be in a much better place come January 1st. And and that's what it is. It's like January 1st, everyone says, okay, you know, we feel bloated, we feel inflamed, we feel, you know, miserable over the choices that we made. So it's like, I've got to do something about it. And we, you know, jump on the latest and greatest kind of of diet craze. Yeah, exactly. I know. I tried all of them myself. (laughs) Me too. I'm right there with you. And, you know, I mean, we have this intention of being really focused and, you know, some people do really good. They go all in, they're perfect for, you know, two to three months. And some people, you know, struggle with the the first three days because they're trying to make such radical changes all at once. And then, but a big thing is we won't fall completely off the rails if we don't have the all or nothing mindset. Because what I feel is we all say, oh, there's so much eating. But that so much eating, it's literally a work dinner, a friend's dinner, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving. You know, there's maybe six dinners, but there's 60 days in this last two months. So even if you do eat wrong those six days, if you don't have the all or nothing mindset and you eat good the other 50 days, then you'll be fine. The problem is because we're now thinking, oh, I'm going to eat so much or I have been eating so much last week, I might as well eat every day that much. Exactly. And we we use that again. It's like that one meal, you know, and you're like, oh, I blew it. So, you know, I might as well, you know, live my best life for the next, you know, weekend or week. And in reality, that one meal did not make or break your success, your progress. It's what you chose to do after that meal that really did. And that is why you're teaching the 80-20 principle. Will you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I love this, you know, kind of thinking in terms of like 80% of the time you're doing the things that, you know, elevate your health. You're doing the things that help you move closer to your goals you know, and make you feel your absolute best. And then 20% of the time you're doing whatever you want, you know, with no restrictions and most importantly, no guilt around your decisions. And just kind of like what you were saying in terms of, you know, people kind of go off the rails for two full months over the fact that we're going to have six, you know, holiday dinners or whatever. You can put it the same way kind of on a weekly basis. So if you eat three meals a day, seven days a week, that's 21 meals. Well, 80% of 21 is 17. So if you focus on that 20%, you know, you've got three to four meals that you can be flexible with. So it's like every week you've got three meals that, again, don't have to be perfect, don't have to completely align with your health and wellness goals. And I think when you start to view it in those kind of absolute terms, you're like, hey, I can do that. You know, I can make 
17 meals, you know, align with my goals. And then, you know, I like to call them flex meals because I hate to, to put any type of negative, you know, feeling around food. So when people talk about like cheat meals, it's not a cheat, you know, Mm -hmm. you're doing it intentionally and there should be joy and, you know, pleasure associated with whatever you decide to do. And if there's not, then that's a whole nother issue. And, And that's so profound what you're just touching on now. Is, is the whole psychological thing behind it, you know, because I've been, I see so many people who, has, as you said, the guilt about eating, the joy, the, because food brings us together as a community. We eat as families. And then unfortunately in hospital, I see a lot of people with eating disorder where they, they do not get any joy from eating with other people. When, when they do eat, there's that guilt. That, so, so that is quite profound, right? It doesn't help if we just put the right foods in our mouth. But we must also be healthy from a psychological standpoint. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I would say 60% of your health is in your head, mm-hmm. you know, um, in is. terms of kind of like the mind games that we play. And and I always say we are our hardest enemies, yeah. you know. Um, especially women, women are just so hard on themselves. I mean, we're, you know, we're caregivers, we're, you know, business women, we're mothers, we're, we play so many roles. And sometimes we forget all these roles we're playing. And then kind of internally, we're just constantly like beating ourselves up over, you know, simple choices in which we're making. Which I also think is so important before we embark on this life's life's, uh, um, weight loss journey to really ask why, what's our why? Is it to look good in a bikini on your selfie for Instagram? Because from my perspective as a wellness doctor, that's not the right why. What I'm passionate for weight about is to really prevent diseases like heart disease and diabetes or autoimmune diseases that can be preventable by nourishing our bodies with whole food. So we must really think, why do we want to do it? Do we want to do it because of some external thing like Instagram picture or do we want to do it from our internal drive because I want to be a healthy mom for my kids I want to grow old I want to see my grandchildren you know so so what is our why I think that is that also helps you before you start with this weight loss journey if you have a very big why it's it's honestly probably the most important thing to think about because you're going to get in these situations where you're faced with a choice, you know, a choice that aligns with your health and wellness goals and a choice that does not. And if you have a really weak why as to why you're making these healthier choices, then it's so much easier to fall back into, you know, the the unhealthy choices. I, I always say it takes zero effort to eat like crap, drink like crap, you know, and feel like crap especially in the United States, but it takes a lot of effort to eat healthy, to get to the gym, to, to avoid alcohol, you know, to drink, to drink the water. It takes a lot of effort. And if you aren't really dialed in into why you're making those hard choices every single day, then I think that's when people give up. And and I agree with you. You know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, your why can't be weight loss. And you want to know why it can't be weight loss? Because weight loss stops. So once you, you know, hit a plateau and say you're the scale's not moving, what's going to continue to motivate you to not give up? And then again, like I said earlier, maintenance is the hard part. So it's like once you get to what you think is that goal weight, 
what's going to motivate you to do the hard work to stay there. Mm -hmm. So your why has to be, you know, like you said, I want to, I want to have more energy. I want to be vibrant. I want to, you know, feel good. I don't want to have joint pain. I, you know, want to play with my kids, my grandkids. I want to, you know, hike. I want to, you know, do all, I don't want to be diabetic. I don't want to have hypertension. Like those are your whys. Yes. Oh, for sure. And then, so you, you've worked with so many clients and then you know everything about the nutrition aspect as a registered dietitian. But I also see that you put a lot of emphasis on the movement part. Because I've been, tell me a little bit more about that. Because I've been seeing all your exercise videos that that's great. You know, that, that helps us to, we don't have to go to the gym five o'clock. We can do these videos from inside our home. Tell them, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm really um, interested in this whole like muscle centric medicine. And I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but, you know, there's a lot of um, stuff coming out now that it, we don't have a fat issue. We have a lack of muscle mm. issue. Oh, for sure. And we know that, I mean, there's research that's being presented today that says that our children currently have less muscle mass than we did at their age. Oh. And I'm not surprised about that based on, you know, the lifestyle we led, you know, running and jumping and playing and riding bikes and versus the lifestyle I see our current kids, you know, living. And the thing about muscle is like muscle is your, you know, metabolic powerhouse. And the more muscle you have, you know, the better your metabolism, the better your longevity, you know, the more food you get to eat, it, it just makes life so much easier. Um, sitting is the new smoking, you know, for the past three years, we have been sitting more than we ever have been. So I'm really passionate about movement and I recognize that everyone is at a different place. So I'm really passionate about meeting people where they are. Um, so I think the first thing that everyone should be doing is trying to increase their step count by a thousand. You know, I, I, we hear 10,000 steps a day, 10,000 steps a day. Well, if you're only taking 3000 steps a day, it's unrealistic for you to set a goal to walk 10,000 steps a day. But if you go from taking 3,000 steps a day to maybe four or five, that's a big difference. And that, that's going to matter. So in terms of movement, I would always start with daily activity. Um, the more you walk, the more steps you get, the better. And then secondary to that is strength training. You know, women um, love cardio. We love to yes. run. Yes. We love to Peloton. We, you know, we love to see. And, and I think Apple Watches have done like a huge disservice. Like we want to see that calorie burn. <laughs> um, and, and we love that. But, you know, cardio, exclusively doing cardio is it's just really ineffective at, you know, again, helping you build muscle, which is going to help build your metabolism, but also helping you lose weight. So getting women and men to realize that, you know, strength training is really key. Building lean muscle mass is really key. I think everyone should know their body composition. Um, they're very simple scale scales. You can even do a DEXA scan to determine, you know, your body composition. And as women, we should be aiming for, you know, less than 30% body fat. Which scale do you use? So I have just a simple like at home, like fit track scale. And, and you know, some, some are more accurate than others. Um, I've had a DEXA scan done. I've had a BOD pod done. 
There's fancier ones like in bodies that you kind of hold, but whatever scale you're using, uh, typically it will give you a very good look at your trends. See, and that's the bigger thing than the actual number is to, to notice after I've gone off the rails that my fat is going up. And then that's really important. So what you've been saying is that you have to monitor and you have to track whether it's your steps, whether it's your food, whatever you're doing, you have to monitor. If I don't even know how many wrong meals I had this week, or I don't know how many steps I'm having. So it's very hard to make improvements if I don't know what is currently happening. So so tracking is the one thing that you mentioned. Exactly. Yes. And then the other thing is, but but it's so individualized and different for every person, right? So the lens that I look at things uh, and you know very well working in hospital is we see what we call sarcopenia. Yeah, so that exactly. means it's people that look lovely on the outside. They look maybe skinny, they look good, but they don't have any muscles. And those people, even if you just come in for a pneumonia at 80 years old for three days, then because you don't have any muscles, my patients would then be too weak after three days when they're healthy from their pneumonia, they would be too weak to go back home. So they end up staying in hospital for two weeks because we have to work with them to get them strong enough to get out of bed, to get strong enough to to move around. You know, then you're not strong enough to go golfing or walk on the beach. And you can't start muscle building at 80. You have to build your muscles when you're younger and preferably before menopause, because that is also what you, you so I've been doing a lot of work with menopause, and that is the hardest thing that I find women who've just been doing cardio, cardio up to menopause, then suddenly after menopause have to start doing strength training. We just have to, and and, and that that is a tricky mind shift to make, okay? Yeah. Well, and I will say, but I, I do want to reiterate that you are never too old to build muscle, you know? Okay. It's not yes, ideal to start that's at fair. 80. But, you know, again, I, I I get that so much from clients. You know, Amanda, I'm 50. Emma, is it too late? I'm 60. Um, is it too yes. late? And I'm like, it's never too late. It's never too late, you know? And and the, the big things that we focus on um, in my signature program, Lean, is protein optimization because as we age, our protein needs significantly increase. And typically older people eat less protein. And again, as we age, we, you know, have an issue with sarcopenia, the loss of muscle mass. So if you can optimize your protein and you can do strength training, and I think people get a little overwhelmed with strength training. I'm not talking about going to the gym and squatting 200 pounds, you know, strength training for you who's doing nothing, maybe body weight squats like that strength training, you know, and then in a month, maybe you add five pound, you know, dumbbells to that, to those squats. So you know, those are two big things that I've seen when women really kind of buy into and commit to that they see huge changes in their and metabolism. The big thing is that it helps to prevent osteoporosis because that is something that I know I've always been reading, reading that you have to do strength training for osteoporosis, but I really didn't understand how it works. And now I understand more every time that you, you do that strength training, you'll muscles pull a little bit away from the bone and it encourages that bone to build more bone, build more bone, make the bone stronger, you know, and that's, that's something. So all these things we're doing now, we're not just doing it for weight loss. We're adjusting to a healthy lifestyle for the next 40 years, for the next, you know, to really have that big picture in mind. Absolutely. And that's why it's worth every every cent, every minute of time to invest in your own health because it's really big picture. Yeah. And I love what you said about, 
you know, again, we're, we're kind of towards the end of the year, beginning of the year. And one of the best things that I think people can do is simply assess where they are. Yeah. You know, think about some simple habits, like how, how often do I drink 60 ounces of water? How often do I, you know, how many steps am I taking a day? You know, how often am I drinking alcohol? Um, like simple things like that and just track it. And then at the end of the month, if you're saying, wow, I, I drink alcohol 50% of the time, the next month, try to drink alcohol only 45% of the time. You know, I try to, I only take 3000 steps. Okay. Next month, take 4,000 steps. And that's, and that's what it's about in terms of like breaking that all or nothing mindset. You know, it's not about like no alcohol. It's, it's about drinking less than you were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about, you know, taking 10,000 steps. It's about taking more steps than you did. And once you start to realize that, that those little things matter, because that's really the key that the, the might as well thinking is that, you know, the little things don't matter and you continue to build on that. That's when you create momentum yes. and consistency because yes. that's what it's all about. It's all about doing things consistently. And if you're doing something that you can't do consistently because it's just so unrealistic, then you're going to fail. Yes. And then also when you do something like you mentioned now, when you were on holidays, to not see it as falling off the rails, to see it as that 20, you know, to always have that 80, 20 rule that that's okay. You're going to get back to the 80%. That was just your 20%. Something you mentioned after you've been on holidays and you gained a couple of pounds and you said, well, it's impossible to gain fat in one week holiday. This is definitely the couple of pounds is definitely not fat. It's more weight gain, maybe from water or fluid retention or inflammation. Will you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, what you have to realize is that when you go on holiday, I mean, you are living a life that is not the norm. You know, you're eating out more, you're drinking more alcohol, you're laying by the beach, you know, it's not your daily schedule. So all of those things, increase carbs, increase sugar, increase alcohol, lack of sleep, you know, you're not sleeping as well, lack of exercise, all that, all of those things really shift your inflammatory response in your body. So, you know, what you gain is exactly what you said. It's, it's water retention, it's food volume, it's just overall inflammation. And so if you come back after, you know, any type of trip, even like a weekend off or a week off, and you just realize that what you're seeing here is simply inflammation and you reset, you know, everyone's always like, what do you do, you know, after a holiday to get back on track? And I say, well, for me, I go back to the lifestyle I was living before holiday. You know, there's no kind of crazy diet or crazy restrictions to punish myself for the fun I had. I know that the strategies that I do on a daily basis are going to help me to get rid of that weight within five to 10 days. And that's exactly what happens. Good, good. Yeah, that's great. I really like that, that whole approach to move away from the guilt, to move away from the mind games, to really in your mind, see see it as a way that you're just helping yourself. You're enabling yourself. You're not punishing yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, that is just the key in terms of like, we have to give ourselves grace, Mm. you know, and and recognize that we're going to slip up, we're going to fall off. But, you know, every day, every meal is a new opportunity to do better. Amanda, thank you so much for spending time with me. This was absolutely fantastic. I'll put your contact details below. If our listeners want to reach out to you, it's Amanda Nybert. You can follow her on social. She has this very great program where you work with coaching 
to enable people to to reach their goals at their own pace through your program. That that's really been a good program, and I've had good feedback from that program. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode today by medical doctor Daniela Stein. Follow us on social media and subscribe to our newsletter at www.wellnessmdhealth.com to stay up to date on educational resources that will take your quality of life to the next level. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your healthcare provider. Never disregard medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Remember, you are created to thrive.